This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hi, y'all, and welcome to Horsin' Around. Saddle up and get ready to have a darn tootin', gallopin' good time as we trot out the show that's your ultimate horse source, of course. Find out how to use good old horse sense when it comes to breeding, feeding, training, and explaining. From practical tips on caring for your horse's health to advice on how to buy horse supplies, including bridles, halters, saddles, and more. So get ready to start horsing around with your host, horse expert and award-winning rider, Audrey Pavia. Howdy, Audrey. Welcome to Horsing Around on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Audrey Pavia. Thanks for joining us. This week, we're going to talk about how to find the right person to teach you how to ride. Whether you're a beginning rider or an experienced equestrian, the task of finding a good riding instructor can be tricky. You need someone who has the right amount of experience and expertise for your level of riding, along with the ability to communicate clearly. On top of that, you need an instructor whose teaching style works well with your personality. To find out how to locate the perfect riding instructor, we have with us today Christy Landwehr, Chief Operating Officer of the Certified Horsemanship Association located in Lexington, Kentucky. Christy, welcome to the show. Hi, Audrey. Thanks so much. So glad to have you as our first guest. We're going to talk about finding the right riding instructor just after these messages. Why the long face? I reckon horsing around will be back in the saddle right after we round up a few words from our sponsors. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com We know you're chomping at the bit to hear more horsing around. Well, we're back on the trail. So park yourself over yonder and set a spell. You ain't heard nothing yet. Welcome back to Horsing Around. I'm your host, Audrey Pavia, and we are here with Christy Landwehr of the Certified Horsemanship Association to talk about finding the right riding instructor. Christy, first off, tell me about the Certified Horsemanship Association. What does your group do? Absolutely, Audrey, no problem. Um, CHA has been around since 1967, so we actually celebrated our 40th anniversary last year. And we have been certifying riding instructors since that time. We also provide and publish our own educational manuals, and we also put on educational conferences around the country for horse enthusiasts to go to. And we also accredit equine equestrian barns and stables as well. Okay. So um, tell me, what should people look for when they're seeking a riding instructor? Well, one of the primary things that CHA believes in is that in the United States of America, anybody can hang a sign and call themselves a riding instructor. Right. And with that in mind, you have to kind of buyer beware a little bit. And a lot of times, parents especially, who are trying to send their children to a summer camp or trying to find a riding instructor for either themselves or their kids, they don't know exactly where to look except for the good old yellow pages. And anybody can list themselves in there. 
So the Certified Horsemanship Association provides a process for people like parents who are looking for a place for their children to ride or themselves to ride to be able to know that this particular riding instructor has gone through a five-day certification clinic where we actually do hands-on um, programming so that that person is actually teaching lessons for the full five days under the supervision of two of our clinic staff who are certifying them. So then it's a little bit more of the buyer having an understanding of what that person has gone through in order to be able to call themselves the riding instructor. And they know that their attention to safety is going to be there, which is, of course, primary when you're working with a thousand-pound animal. Right. Now, are there uh, other countries that have uh, licensing that are pretty much government-regulated when it comes to certifying instructors? Yes, quite a few of the um, European countries, actually, Audrey. Um, Germany, for example, does a licensing program. Uh, the British Horse Society is a governing body in Britain. So there are quite a few countries that are doing that. And as of this point in time, the U.S. is not. Um, there is one state that does it, and it's actually Massachusetts. And what they require is to basically go and take a written test out at the government offices, and then that written test there, thereby constitutes you as a riding instructor. And they're the only state right now um, that I personally know of that are asking for riding instructors to do any form of anything prior to saying that they can go and teach people. Why do you think uh, we're the, one of the few countries that have a strong horse culture that doesn't have a government certification requirement? Well, my personal opinion is, you know, the good old USA, we don't want to wear a seatbelt. We don't want to have to wear a helmet when we're riding a motorcycle down the road. You know, I, I think that you know, people believe in freedom so strongly here, Audrey, that they don't want the government to tell them what to do. Mm-hmm. And in order to do a certification process on a federal or a state level, legislatures would have to get involved. And I think right now that the U.S. is not quite ready for that. Okay. So tell us what the potential pitfalls are of using an instructor who's not certified. Well, obviously, you know, an instructor can also get their knowledge from just being out in the field and doing it. Um, so obviously there's quite a few riding instructors out there that have been showing at their, their particular breed or their um, certain discipline for many, many years, and therefore they have the experience and the knowledge necessary. The folks that CHA is worried about is those that basically have a couple horses in the backyard and are saying, you know what, I really want to find a way to get these guys to pay for their feed. Let me go ahead and hang out a shingle that says I'm a horseback riding instructor, and then people can go ahead and come to me and take lessons. And it's those folks that might not necessarily know the safety issues and things that a child or an adult who doesn't know a thing about a horse really needs to know in order to be around them safely, not only mounted on them, but also on the ground. Right. So what would you say the main difference is between CHA instructors and non-certified instructors? I would say the primary difference is that a person going as a client to a CHA certified instructor knows for a fact that that individual has gone through a process and that that process is a standard process around North America. We certify up in Canada as well. And with that, they know that the person has had to do a written test regarding their horsemanship knowledge, their safety knowledge, their group presence in an arena, since we certify primarily group riding instructors, thinking along the lines that if you know how to teach a group successfully, um, then you're going to have no trouble at all teaching a one-on-one basis, so a private lesson. And that they've also shown some standards of professionalism as well. So with those things in mind, then the people are going to somebody that they can at any time get on our website and see 
what kind of rigorous five days they had to do in order to attain that certification. And we also have different levels, Audrey. It ranges from level one to level four. Level one being somebody who's going to teach, let's say, for the summer at a summer camp, primarily Girl Scouts, those, those types of places where the kids come for just one week, and they're going to learn probably how to stop, start, steer, possibly get to trot by the end of the week, and, that it, and that's it. Then we have our level two instructors that are starting to teach the kids of the adults how to canter. And then our level three instructors, and there's a big jump, we always say, in between level two and three. Level three is going to be getting more into the nitty-gritty of, okay, now you're going to learn how to do a rollback on the rail for those Western folks, or, okay, now you're going to learn how to jump for the English folks, and so on. And then level four is the, the instructors that are teaching those that want to go and pursue showing, that want to really get out there and compete with their horses and really um, go to that next level with them. So all of this can be found on our website, so somebody can actually search for a riding instructor and know that they've gone through and attained whatever level of certification that they personally might be interested in learning how to ride at that given level. That's great. That really breaks it down for people and helps them understand what exactly they should be looking for. Um, Tell me what kind of... uh, testing or or teaching you guys do during those five days, if you could give me some examples. Absolutely. Uh, my first introduction, actually, to CHA was going to a certification clinic myself. I had been a riding instructor for 18 years, and to be quite frank with you, I had never heard of getting certified, and when I did finally hear about it, I thought to myself, well, you know what, I only do it part-time, and I probably really don't need the extra student, so there's really no need to do it. And I was informed, well, your professional limited liability insurance can go down about $300 a year. And I thought to myself, well, hey, the clinic's going to cost me anywhere in between six dollars and $700. I might as well do this. And after two years, I have it paid for. So I went ahead and went. And what a person can expect when they go to a clinic, it is a five-day process. And the first thing that the two clinic staff will do is they'll do a written test. And the written test um, is not going to be your primary focus. So for those out there that have a written test phobia, I remember taking my SATs and they frightened me to death. Um, (laughs) I'm sure a lot of us can relate to that. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So we we always say, you know, de-emphasize the written test, but know that there has to be some things on there that we're we're looking for in, in regards to the knowledge of the person coming in. And then we provide our composite horsemanship manual, our riding instructor and a trail guide manual, and our standards for group riding, which is the three books that CHA publishes for our clinics. But we always say you technically don't even have to crack the books. To us, they're more of a reference that you use after the clinic. We want to know what knowledge you have coming in. So sure, the books will tell you how to teach posting trot and will tell you how to do some of these things, but we want to see the knowledge that you've been doing, and if you teach posting trot in a way that's not in the book, that's fantastic because the book is written by um, fellow clinic staff and fellow CHA certified instructors, so the next update, we just might include your way of teaching it. So it's a very progressive process, and you can only have up to 10 people being certified with you at any given time, and those people end up becoming your best friends because during that time you lean on one another because they're actually going to role play as your students. So, for example, everybody after their written test, they go in the arena and they do a sample test ride. So they have to ride it themselves, no role playing, and they can choose either English or Western saddle because most of our um, clinics you can certify English and Western both during the same week. And then what the person can do then is go ahead and show their skill as a rider. 
Now, do they have to be an outstanding rider to get certified as a riding instructor? Absolutely not. But we do have to see that they can ride one level higher than they get certified in mm-hmm. so that we can verify that if they needed to get on, Audrey, and show a skill to a student, that they could do so. What about teaching style? How do you evaluate whether or not someone's a good teacher? Because as a, a, a rider myself who's taken a lot of lessons, I've noticed a huge difference between instructors and their ability to communicate to the rider what they are looking for. Well, right after you do that test ride, then it begins. Everyone has to teach at level one. And our big belief is even if you've taught flying lead changes your entire life and you teach at a really high level, you have to be able to teach somebody to mount, dismount, stop, start, and steer. Mm-hmm. So we get everyone to teach a level one lesson, and our motto is, is the lesson safe, is the lesson effective, and frankly, the number third one is big too, is the lesson fun. Because if you're going to have a style that's not fun, you're in, people that are learning how to ride are probably not going to keep coming back to you week after week. Right. They're going to go down to Joe down the street who's a much nicer person. Mm-hmm. So it is very important to us that we don't have that old-fashioned riding instructor. You know the one with the crop and the tall boots and hitting the whip as they're saying, "Now, oh, come on, do this, do that. Screaming at you, right. Exactly. <laughs> and because that breaks down the thought process of the rider. And the rider, it's very hard to learn when you're being yelled at. <laughs> yes, I, I can vouch for that. So level one, basically, people, you'd have five people mounted on horses. And as I said, this takes place around the country at different host sites that we have. So you're not going to know the horses coming in. And, but they're all school horses that have been used in some sort of a school program. Um, and they're going to be, if, if you're getting certified in both, some in English TAC and some in Western. So we strongly believe that at level one and two it really doesn't matter because we have everyone hold their reins with two hands and ride with a snaffle bit on. Mm-hmm. And then they'll go ahead and they'll um, teach, let's say, a stop start steer lesson. So I'll get up there and I'll say, okay, all of you, you've come to my uh, camp for the first time. None of you have ever ridden before. You're all around in between eight and ten years of age, and you're going to learn how to get on a horse for the first time. Here we go. And you get to teach a 15-minute lesson in which you're demonstrating to us your skills as a teacher. And at the end of that 15 minutes, you get to self-evaluate yourself. You get to go ahead and have each one of your students say comments. And then we normally allow um, an assistant in the arena, too. Not all of us are lucky enough to have somebody like that help us in the arena, but it's really nice when you do have somebody on the ground to help. So the assistant will comment on how it went for him or her. And then the two clinic staff also comment. Now, who are, who are the evaluators? Who's doing the judging here? We have about 125 right now clinic instructors around the country, and they are people that have actually gone through the certification process, and at the end of the week, the clinic staff has said, wow, this person would make an excellent staff for CHA, they would be fantastic, and we would like to recommend them as clinic staff. So then they go through a process where they have to do so many clinics under the tutelage of a more experienced clinic instructor until they qualify to actually be clinic staff themselves. And then they're basically independent contractors for us. So they set their own rates, and we list them on our website and also in our membership directory so that folks that are hosting clinics around the country can contact them and bring a couple of them in to do their clinic. Now, how difficult is it to find these clinics? Like, are there some states where there's a lot more of them going on than others? Is it pretty well distributed? At this point in time, it is pretty well spread out around the country. We actually even have them in Alaska and Hawaii, too. Um, The best way to find them is to get on our website, Mm -hmm. which is www.cha-ah.org. 
And when you go on there, you'll actually see a button that says clinics and then find one by either location or by date. And then somebody can go in and find one that's coming up near them in their state or they can find one in a certain time frame if they have a rush to be able to get it done. Right. Okay. Now, I wanted to ask you about the different uh, disciplines. What if someone is a side saddle instructor or they specialize in Gymkhana? How does that work as opposed to just, uh, say, general you know, Western and English? Absolutely. Great, great question. We are very broad-based in our certification, so we will not individually give out, let's say, a side saddle certification. What we do, though, is we would recommend to that side saddle instructor that when they come to one of our standard clinics, that they can go ahead and bring their own saddle and show us a side saddle if that's what they're most comfortable in. And they can certainly show us how they teach side saddle. That's absolutely fine. But that we also have to see them do the ground lesson, which is part of what we require. And we also need to see them do the levels at one, two, three, four. And we also, um, at the end of that, then would be able to give them an English if they do primarily side saddle English or a Western if they do primarily side saddle Western certification. But it would not say side saddle on there. Tell me what the benefits are to instructors to be certified. Because there, there's a lot of instructors out there that are doing really well just on their reputation and they probably think, well, why do I need to do this? And much like what I did, my primary reason was completely monetary. I said, if I can save that much money on my professional limited liability insurance, I'm going to do it. And there's so many insurance companies right now recognizing certification more and more. They're realizing that if that their likelihood of getting a claim might be less for somebody that's been certified than for somebody who hasn't, because they might not necessarily know the reputation of the rider and so on, because a lot of insurance people don't know much about the horse industry per se. Right. But mm-hmm. they will know that, oh, well, the CHA certified, and this is the process which they've gone through, that's great. So that's one of the primary reasons we find that, that people get certified. We also find that people like it as a marketing tool for them. Once they get certified, they can utilize our logo on all of their business cards and brochures. We also do a mini web page for them on our website, absolutely free as part of their membership. So when somebody types in, let's say, the state of California and types in that they are looking for a riding instructor in the valley or wherever the case may be, all the riding instructors that we have in that area will come up, and then they can click on an individual name, and then the resume and photo of that person will come up. So it creates a way for them not to have to have a website of their own, or if they do, they can link from our website to theirs. Right. So it gives people an opportunity to be found. Um, I think another reason for people wanting to be certified is for the networking. We have a monthly e-blast that goes out and also a quarterly magazine, and we have little tidbits in there like tricks of the trade and pet peeves around the barn and how to teach being able to feel diagonals and leads things like this that our members really love to network with one another on email. And so from across the country, you can be learning how to do something with a problem student and being able to fix something without having to go to a clinic yourself and so on because you know that you've sent it out to the masses of our membership and they've answered it for you. Right. That's great. Um, Okay. Thanks, Christy. Uh, Next up, we're going to talk about the steps you should take in finding or actually evaluating an instructor Uh, when you're out there looking at different ones, hopefully certified instructors. So we'll be right back after these messages. Why the long face? (laughs) I reckon horsing around will be back in the saddle right after we round up a few words from our sponsors. Molly, here's your dinner. (laughs) 
Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your Cat Tree Tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. We know you're chomping at the bit to hear more horsing around. Well, we're back on the trail. So park yourself over yonder and set a spell. You ain't heard nothing yet. Hi, we're back. Thanks for joining us at Horsing Around on PetLifeRadio.com. I'm your host, Audrey Pavia, and we're talking to Christy Landwehr, who is the CEO of the Certified Horsemanship Association. Christy, I was hoping you could break down for us what the steps are when someone is evaluating an instructor. Say they have a couple of instructors they've narrowed themselves down to. They're certified and they teach the discipline the person is interested in learning. What should they do uh, when they want to decide between the two or three and figure out which one is best for them? Good question. Uh, One of the primary things that we recommend to people is that they have the opportunity to contact the person by phone and that that person actually gets back to them in a timely manner. Mm-hmm. Um, we find that, you know, a lot of times people are out riding their horses and doing things and that their business skills aren't necessarily up to par. So somebody that's going to get back to them promptly and do those types of things is probably much more cognizant of their business. And then also that they're going to provide the person with a lesson. Um, a lot of times uh, riding instructors will say, sure, you can go ahead and come on over for just one lesson, kind of a sample lesson, and tour the barn and so on and so forth. And there's a big difference between a barn that has school horses to provide for the riders and a barn that doesn't. So obviously the person needs to make sure that, um, you know, what that school horse price is, if they're planning on getting a school horse and so on. And then when they go to the actual barn, taking a sample riding lesson is a fantastic idea. And if the riding instructor offers privates, even though privates are normally more money than a group, we highly recommend that the person take a private first. So they really get that one-on-one with the riding instructor. There are also many barns out there that um, you show up and the horse is already saddled, groomed, and ready to go. You have your hour ride, and then the horse is unsaddled for you and put away. And that's perfectly fine if the rider is interested in that. However, I personally uh, recommend that if you go to a barn, if you have any interest in possibly owning a horse one day or leasing a horse or so on, it's a wonderful idea to be able to know how to do everything. So to find a barn that's actually going to teach you how to groom, how to catch a horse, how to halter a horse, how to take care of the tack, how to bridle a horse, how to saddle a horse, not only how to ride, and then go ahead and do all those steps in reverse to cool down the horse and put the horse back in its pasture or pen. I think that those things are very valuable as well. I want to uh, help people understand the difference between a riding instructor and a horse trainer. I know there's a lot of confusion out there. A lot of people do both. Some do just one or the other. Some do both, but only one well. Um, what, do you, what can you tell us about that? 
You're absolutely right. There's a lot of confusion out there. And my big belief is that the two are not synonymous. A riding instructor is somebody who is teaching the rider how to handle a horse. The horse trainer is somebody who is teaching the horse how to do particular things. And then if that horse then, of course, has an owner and the owner wants to learn how to deal with it, then that horse trainer then becomes a riding instructor and has to then explain to the person what steps he or she took in order to train that horse and then apply it to that person. And just like you said, Audrey, I don't think that everyone out there is good at both. I think most people are either good at horse training or good at riding instruction and aren't necessarily good at both. And if you find somebody who is good at both, that's fantastic. Um, But a lot of times it takes a very different style of person to be able to teach a human versus being able to teach a horse. Mm -hmm. So I think that when these people are going around to barns and checking, obviously if they have their own horse that they want to work with, I think it's going to be important that they have a horse trainer, a person that's actually trained horses and gotten them ready for the show ring or whatever that person's goals are. But I also think it's important for that person to say, well, then if I want to eventually learn all the tricks that this trainer has up his or her sleeve to apply to my horse so that I can ride my horse as successfully as the trainer, then also make sure that that person can convey that message to them as well. Right. So in a situation where you have a horse, say a green horse, and you put it with a trainer, um, that trainer is probably also going to give you lessons. That's been my experience to teach you, help teach you how to ride that horse. For example, the trainer's riding the horse three days a week and you're coming out for lessons two days a week. So it seems to me that it's very common to have the trainer give lessons. Is that, is that accurate? It is very common for folks that have their own horses and are putting them in training, absolutely. And it might be something where there's a lot of traveling riding instructors out there. There's a lot of um, folks that are self-employed and aren't necessarily at one barn, and they go around from place to place. And it might be a possibility for a person like that, if they find that they're taking a riding lesson from the trainer and the person is just not getting the message across, trying, of course, not to step on any toes, ask the person, do you mind if somebody else comes in and kind of teaches me on my horse as well and helps me with that. Or the person waits, of course, until they get their green horse back home at their stable and then has the individual riding instructor come out too. So there are ways around that if they find that they don't have a person who's explaining the process well to them. Right. I wanted to ask you too about uh, trail training. Uh, There are instructors out there, not many of them, but there are some who specialize in teaching riders, I guess, and horses um, how to be safe on the trail and be good trail horse and good trail rider. Does CHA certify trail training? We do. We offer a full trail program that has levels one through four, and you actually um, go out in the wilderness with this group. It's a fantastic five-day clinic that I myself have not had a chance to take part in, and I really need to. It would be fun. But you actually take horses into the backcountry. And you're actually doing picket lines and hobbling and high lines. You're packing the horses out, and you're doing everything from the level one stuff, which is day rides, all the way to level four, which is actual guiding, where you're taking a group of individuals out into the wilderness and doing Dutch oven cooking and setting up the tents and all of that. So it's a very intense process um, for those that, that want to get certified at that level. We also have a lower-level trail certification process called our Combined Clinic, And that does level one and two of arena work and then level one and two of trail work, which would be just for the people that are going to take groups out on day rides, not necessarily those that are going to do any overnight. 
with their guests. And mm-hmm. then I would recommend for those folks to go to our combined clinics. Okay. Now, what about people that are interested in becoming competitive in distance riding? Yes. As far as that goes, we don't necessarily have a certification just for that. And the reason for that is that a lot of times your folks that are going to do your competitive and your endurance riding and those types of things are probably going to have to do arena riding first to learn how to ride. Mm-hmm. So then we would recommend that they go to one of our, one of our standard uh, riding instructors who's certified. Um, and then once they get that accomplished and they can ride, walk, trot, and canter in the arena safely, then they can go ahead and start taking their horse out on the trail and doing those types of things. And what we like to say at CHA is once somebody has achieved our level four as a rider, then a lot of our instructors like to then hand them on to somebody that might be a specialist in a certain area within their state. So let's say you really want to specialize in endurance or you really want to specialize in reining or what have you. Then a lot of times our instructors that tend to be a little bit more jack-of-all-trades can Mm -hmm. then send the person to a specialty instructor who says, let's say they do just dressage or whatever the case may be. Okay. Uh, Christy, tell me how people can find a certified horsemanship uh, association certified instructor. Absolutely. The best way is to go on our website, and um, when you click on find an instructor or find a facility, you're taken to another one of our websites, which is um, chainstructors.com. And that's our online database. So you're actually tapping into our master database that's held at our corporate office, and we put the information for each of our instructors that have asked us to do so on there. And it's about, right now, 88% of our membership has asked to be listed on there. And they can do an advanced search and type in uh, their city, their state, their county, and all the instructors in their area will come up. They can also type in a discipline. And for those of our instructors that have gone in and done a detailed bio, all the key words that that individual has typed in will come up. So let's say they're looking for dressage or eventing or what have you. Those, those will all appear as well. So that's probably the easiest way. Okay, and give us your website address again. Absolutely. It's www.cha-ahse.org. Okay, is there anything else you'd like to share with us that possibly we didn't cover that you think might be important? Well, we just had a wonderful partnership with the American Vaulting Association, and we're now offering a recreational vaulting certification. Oh, that's great. Yeah, and it's just wonderful because um, ABA has been around for quite a long time, and they haven't ventured into actually creating the certification process for themselves, so they partnered with us to do it, and now we share resources, which has been wonderful. So we, we now offer that. We also do a barn managers certification program where individuals that are barn managers, so aren't actually having uh, people that they're teaching how to ride, but they board horses and whatnot, they can get certified as far as um, how they do in horse handling, horse care, their bookkeeping, their accounting, those, those types of things, too. And then we also provide a site accreditation program where, let's say you want to get your barn accredited through CHA, we send out two site visitors to go over your management standards, your program standards, and your facility standards to make sure you're not using barbed wire around the horses and things along those lines, what the footing is, um, if you have barrier records, veterinarian records, tack checks that you're doing on your tack. And then when you get accredited through us, there's lots of insurance companies right now that are recognizing that so that you can get insurance discounts through that as well. Okay, well, that's all we have time for today. Christy, thank you so much for being our guest this week and sharing all your knowledge with us. We're so happy you joined us. 
Thank you, Audrey. I really appreciate it. No problem. And next time, we're going to talk about the many uses of acupuncture and traditional Chinese medicine for horses. If you have any questions or comments about horsing around, please email me at audrey at petliferadio.com. Until then, happy trails. Stop what you're doing and start horsing around. Every week on Pet Life Radio, horse expert and award-winning rider Audrey Pavia will be trotting out great tips on feeding, breeding, and more on everything equestrian. So set a spell and say hey to Audrey and get ready for a darn tootin' gallopin' good time. Every week on Horsin' Around, on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. 